we're starting a conversation today that will last the next three weeks. And my goal is to unpack every scripture in the Bible that deals with working out what your calling is in life. And I'm confident that by the end of even today's message, you will know without a doubt what you're supposed to do with your life. In fact, I feel so confident that I feel like I could just tell you and then we could all just go and do it. It seems so strange to me that uh, what to do with our lives has become a mystery, like an incredible tension. Is this what God wants me to do? Is this who God wants me to marry? Is this how God wants me to live? Seems to be such a huge question. Recently, a friend built a big house. They called me and said, I'm wondering if my house is too big. Would God be okay with a house this big? And as a I understand the question. There's a bit of tension and angst about whether it's pride and whether you're overspending. And I thought, well, let's look at Scripture. And the only thing I could find is as long as you build out of gold, silver, and precious stones, he doesn't say anything about the size. And maybe as simple an answer as that might be, actually the principle is that God doesn't mind what you're building as long as the way you're building it is quality and God-honoring. Can you say amen to that? It matters. It doesn't matter who you marry, as long as the way you do your marriage is quality and God-honoring. It doesn't matter what kind of career path you choose, as long as the way you are in that career path is godly and God-honoring. In fact, there's a whole category of scriptures that deal exclusively with the idea that God's plan for our lives isn't a mystery, but it has been revealed. So I took a trip both to Cape Town and to Jeffreys Bay. Uh, it was lovely. It will take the rest of this year for me to financially recover from, <laughs> from, the, from the trip. Um, and I wondered what kind of a road trip taker you are. Some people love taking road trips, can't wait for road trips plan the road trips weeks in advance, know where they will stop, which coffee shop and restaurant they want to try along the way. I'm a little different. I'll stop when I'm hungry and I'll eat what's nearby. That often lands me at a steers, at some garage somewhere, <laughs> having, having a standard steers burger. I hope all this food is making you hungry. Others don't like road trips at all. And would prefer if that part was just over. Some people would rather just let someone else take them on a road trip and not do the driving. I'm a little worried that one of the consequences of lockdown is that the church is staying home and the rest of the world is going on road trips and taking on the world. Is that an almost clappable moment? I'm worried. I'm worried that instead of seeking the narrow road and getting out there, we're staying behind. And believe me, the world has changed shape and the loudest voices must speak up now. Now that everything has been cleared and the clutter has been set aside, the church, uh, the, the light of the gospel must be at its brightest. When the world is at its darkest, the church lights must be on. 
In Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus tells this exact story concerning uh, our purpose and calling. Therefore, he says, a certain nobleman went into a country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants uh, and, and delivered to them 10 minas or a, a, a month's wage and said to them, do business till I come. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say what kind of business, just do business, do it well, occupy, be engaged and involved until I come back. A lot of Christians, I think at times, we've taken the easy road of perhaps not being too involved in the world out there and rather being very involved in our internal spiritual journey. We analyse ourselves and we test ourselves and we measure ourselves, we improve our spiritual abilities and we get better at doing church and better at doing spiritual stuff. But you know, the Bible never teaches us to be better at doing church. It teaches us to be better at doing life. Do business until I come. I fear that sometimes we think it's so dark out there and the end is so close that we may as well start packing. And that would be unwise. You should be, you should be starting your last project. You, you computer gamers will know what I'm talking about. When your, your mom or dad, I just assume you're a kid, your, your mom and dad says, come for supper, you go, you go one more, one more game. One more game. Maybe you're a sports person and the sun is setting and you know it's getting cold and you can't play any more uh, soccer or cricket or rugby or whatever your preference is. And mom or dad calls you in supper time and you say, one more. Would you say it with me? It's cheesy, I know, but I'm going somewhere with this. You say, one more, one more right? The goal in our spiritual journey should be when the Lord does come and the trumpet does sound, you and I should say, Lord, one more friend who needs the gospel, just one more person. Can we go for one more family, one more service, one more life change, one more please. I think there's a challenge inside of us to shift us into a different way of thinking. First Corinthians chapter seven, and I'm grateful for the choir. First Corinthians chapter seven actually answers this question. Paul was sent a letter and in his letter he was asked a few things. One of the things he was asked is that he was asked, if I got married before I became a Christian and I became a Christian, should I keep her? That was why, you see, you see first and second Corinthians, but actually there was one, two, three, and four. And the other two are, not, are missing. But there were letters written to Paul and he wrote back in reply. So that was one of the questions. I, uh, we were not Christians. And what if I chose the wrong pur person, wrong purpose? In fact, they go on to say, and what if I chose a career? What if I, I became an accountant before I became a Christian? Now I'm a Christian. Should I continue as an accountant? Maybe I picked the wrong path. And so this question is not a, not a new question. What, what if I, I chose the wrong journey? So Paul answers. By the way, he says you should keep her. Just in case any of you were looking for, uh, any, uh, any of you were looking for like, I just, I, I just, 
If you don't know what that meant, I'm very sorry. Uh, we'll trust that. No, he, he says, in fact, let's get intense about it. Let's get super intense about it. So stretch some people out. You're going to send emails to dean at fathershousesa.org. But he actually says that the saved person sanctifies the unsaved person. The, some of you are like, ah, I was hoping for a... a but, but, but isn't it funny that we think that if you've got someone saved and someone unsaved, that somehow the unsaved spirit is stronger than the saved spirit. And Jesus, God is very clear, the saved spirit is stronger than the unsaved spirit. The healed person carries the wounded person. The out of touch person carries, yeah, the touch person carries the out of touch person. But in that same passage, and you can look it up, 1 Corinthians 7, very, very good. Very good passage of Scripture. The whole of 1 Corinthians, the whole of First and Second, the whole of the New Testament. Very, very good. But this one, especially because it talks about how to do church, you know, don't go over the top, and it talks about how to do relationships and all that. Look what it says. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? That means to be saved. Then don't let that trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now to be clear about the Scripture, it's saying, were you a carpenter? You can stay a carpenter. Were you married? Stay married. The, the faith is not an excuse to avoid the responsibilities of life. The faith is an opportunity to bring to fruition, to realize the full extent of your responsibilities in life. That's what it is. Do you know they often jokingly say, my mom used to say this, I bet if I upset her enough, I can get her to say it again. She would say in Greek though, but I won't test your Greek. She would say, I brought you into this world. <laughs> how many of you know how the rest of it ends? I'll take you right out of it too. Yeah. There's a lot of moms clapping right now. I'm very disturbed by the spirit of confrontation. There's people going to die over lunch today. Um, and some moms are making notes now. I wondered what I'm going to say to my child. Well, you know, we talk about being brought into the world and then we talk about, so that's a statement that's common, brought into the world. Then there's a common statement of being taken out of the world. But you know, perhaps the most powerful statement of all, the most challenging statement of all is what do you do in between? What's the description of the life between brought into the world, taken out of the world? How you answer the, the sentence in the middle is is very important. And I want to put it to you that Scripture suggests the sentence in the middle is I am given to the world. I was brought into the world. I was given to the world. I shall be taken out of the world. Now, a lot of people, their sentence in the middle is I was brought into the world. I want to take something from the world. The world owes me something. I need my moment my 15 minutes of shame, then I'll be taken out. But I want to encourage you that you are here 
to be given to the world as a light and as a gift and as an encouragement and as an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are given to the world. Do you know that this is the generation God decided, this is this generation, Cape Town? Good morning. I improved my fashion so much by going to Cape Town. Oh my goodness, there's a Zara there. But much more importantly, there are people there who buy clothes for Zara. Yes. And they take me shopping and they say, look, you don't have to look 50. That conversation happened. Cape Town, Jeffrey's Bay, had a wonderful time in Jeffrey's Bay. The food in Jeffrey's Bay is dangerous. I just want you to know people uh, express their love through food. Eat and eat. So now I'm back full force in the gym. I can't wait to come to Karecha because I have especially bought an item of clothing to go and preach in Karecha. It's a pair of burbul shorts that uh, they challenged me. They challenged me to buy it, so I bought it. If you see the advertising, it's people in front of John Deere tractors. Come for yellow. But, but, but let me tell you, this is the generation, you and I are the people God decided that if a pandemic is to hit the world, my church will be safe in their hands. So it's very important that you're given to the world. For a time such as this, it was said of Esther, it's not just her and just them, it's now and you. And there's this, Strange. Do you know, I'm going to make a bold statement because I love online church so much and I want to meet you all one day and I can't wait to do it. But let me tell you, you can do everything these days from home. You can buy groceries from home. I've tried it. It's awesome. I just love it. I love putting people under pressure. 60 minutes. <laughs> I stand there by the window. <laughs> let me see. You can get food. I am 1.7 kilometers physically from my favorite takeaway place. 1.7 kilometers. Jack's Bagels, Perridgeville. Mr. Delivery must come and drop it off. Can get your, some of you laughing there in the back because you, you did it yesterday. That's so why my order was late. We, we, can, we can watch a church uh, from home. In some cases, we don't have a choice. We, we don't have a church as, you don't have a church as cool as ours near you. So, so you, you, you can work from home. A lot of bosses struggling to get you back. You can work from home. Your computer is incredible. You're on fire. You work better. You're a night person. We've got someone on staff who said, at us, I'm a night person. I prefer to work at night. I thought, yeah, sure. 11 o'clock at night, the emails come. For attention, forward, for attention, for attention. I rebuke it and go to bed. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it at a civilized time in the morning. Do you know what you can't do from home? You're calling. You can't be a light in a dark place. You can't be a shoulder for someone to cry on. You can't give a prophetic word to a person in a dry place. You can't express the gospel to people who are dying without spirituality. The one thing, unfortunately, we can't do limited to being only at home is our purpose. Can do the rest. Is that capable? Is that capable? <laughs> Literally, 
When I went to each of our churches, I said, when I say, is that clappable, this is what happens. And then it happened there too. So I think we're now all on the same, on the same page. I, um, I think that the fundamental idea of God's plan for your life is not the destination, how big is the house? It's not the destination, what type of career should I have? It's the road trip itself that is the purpose. Get on the road. You see, God needs Christians driving the road accountants drive, driving the road architects drive, metaphorically speaking, driving the road politicians even. Well, the bumpy road, politicians, the tallest bumpy road. Uh, churches, if you uh, uh, pardon me for a moment, but let me tell you, we, we've had some action here in our part of the world, eh? Because I commented a few times, and the secretary of the mayor's office listens. Now the street lamps working outside, and. The, the double-story uh, shacks that were built on the side have been removed. And so today, I just want to draw their attention to the tar at the traffic light. If by next Sunday, I would love to compliment you. <laughs> I think I'm pushing my luck. I'm going to get an email. Once again, I just want to remind you, your email? Yeah, Dean at... <laughs> There is a parable in the Bible um, that is well known, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, by chance, a certain priest in Luke chapter 10 came down that road. Oh, that was the point I wanted to make. You see, we have to have people going down certain roads because on the road, there is a situation that God's purpose needs you for. Uh, again and again, uh, powerful miracles happen while people are on roads. You've got to find the narrow road and you've got to walk it because on the road, a beaten man is going to need your gift of encouragement and exhortation. On the road to Emmaus, uncertain disciples are going to need to hear you talk about Jesus Christ. On another road, a road when a cross was carried and the one who carried it couldn't anymore. A Simon was there on the same road to pick up somebody else's cross because they couldn't carry it and get them to the top of a hill of their redemption. They've got to be on the road. We as believers need to be on the road. You need to be on the road of the arts and media, on the road of sciences and technology, of education, of politics, of apologetics. Get on the road because while you're on the road, there the purpose of God will reveal itself. We're so worried about whether God wanted me to be an accountant or not, that what He wanted me to be was on the road. My father said to I said to him, I want to be a pastor. He said, that's a very uh, uneconomical decision. He said, but I'll tell you what, you go and study something, you know, intelligent. And then you can do anything you want after that. And of course, in my generation, there were only three options. Accountant, lawyer, no, doctor. Doctor was, I did not have the mark. <laughs> yeah, no, the, that was clear. That wasn't going to be... And, and of course, accountant and lawyer, because the family definitely was going to need both <laughs> to keep us out of jail. So, so I mean, I do, I do love my people, the Greeks. I love them very much. But I, I, watched, I watched an embarrassing story of my people on 
on news in America. Some couple went to Mykonos, the island, and they were convinced to eat an authentic Greek seafood platter. And then they got the, the bill. It was 560 US dollars. I just picture one of my people deciding, we must get the money back from the pandemic. <laughs> Each and every person who walks in here, we tell them this crab is very special crab and you just, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna work. And so my father said, well, pick one. So I came here and I, I did be calm. And it took longer than I should, a whole extra, nearly two years. Really battled with stats, I don't know why. It took an extra, but by the way, while I'm on the road, we started a church. While I'm on the road, we preach the gospel to students. And the road may have taken me through some twists and turns and I may never use that destination, but the road was God's plan for my life, not the destination. And it's problematic because if you don't think like that, then you might think, well, if I become an accountant and it was God's plan for me to be an accountant, I fulfill my purpose. And it excuses us from fulfilling kingdom purpose. Because what we've done is we've substituted career purpose for kingdom purpose. And they are not the same thing. And so a man along a certain road, and when he saw him, the priest, passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, uh, as he journeyed, oh, I just love that phrase. He's the only one for whom the phrase as he journeyed is mentioned. I find that uh, powerful because I think that not every uh, road trip is a journey. And sometimes we need to make our life the journey and not just the road trip. He's journeying, he comes to him, sees him and had compassion on him. So he went to him bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. So on the next day he departed, uh, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you need, uh, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among these? Um, I, I wanna make this practical a bit. This is partly a picture of the church in general, not just ours, but in general. The priests and the Levites are not on the same road often, journey often as you and I. Uh, you're in business, you're in family, you're raising kids. You're on, a, you're on different streets than priests and Levites. I'll be honest, we live sheltered lives in a lot of ways. When people find out you're a pastor, they stop swearing. Well, these days they even swear more, but uh, <laughs> depends what their church experience is. Uh, people, you know, greet you in a, in a different way. I, I, I had my car repaired recently after somebody uh, broke in and, and um, the, the place I went to there in our church, uh, Autosmart, and, and I'd arrive there, pastor, and the coffee would be made. And, you know, if I, I looked at a scratch too long, it was fixed. 
I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. It's like a, there's like a d- big dent there, someone's door. You know how the, the ungodly PE doors. There's an unrighteousness there that's going on. And a, a big dent, so I said to, I said to the man, oh, let's get someone to take that out. He said, no problem. They got someone and I overheard that it was going to cost 350 bucks. No problem. And so before I went to Cape Town, I went to pay the 350 bucks. I thought, you know, you don't want him seeing you on Instagram eating sushi and him thinking, Eating sushi, you don't pay your bills. And I thought that wouldn't be appropriate. So I went in there, I said, listen, I owe you 20. He said, no, 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 no. We discussed it. It's a blessing. We've paid it. Don't worry, go. Eat sushi. <laughs> go. I don't know if you'll have the same experience as me because I've got this pastor thing going for me. So the Samaritan, let me explain to you why. So the priest and the Levi, I know a different journey, but the Samaritan is a business guy. He's on his way to, to town. He sees an injured person. He said, look, I can't stop my business now. But what I'll do, I'll take this guy, I'll drop him off at the church. I'll put my tithe in. I'll say to them, look, take care of these people. Eh? I'm doing business till he comes. On my way back, if there's something outstanding, we'll sort it out because I'm expecting good business where I'm going. So don't worry about that. And although we judge the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan was the true neighbor, actually there was also a kind of partnership that took place there because somebody had to stay at the inn to look after the injured while somebody else went and did business until he comes. Will you please do well what you do? And I'll commit to doing well what we do. And then the gospel changes the world. There are three simple ideas. Oh my goodness. Uh, I just saw the clock. There there are three. (laughs) It frightens me every year. I don't feel so bad though. Some people have just arrived for the 10 o'clock service. So I'm, you're, you're going to get something out of this right now. There isn't a 10 o'clock. Just, just uh, uh, three things I want to teach uh, about your calling. It's the start of the conversation. We're going to be at it for a few weeks. Number one, uh, your purpose or calling in life is to get involved. Get involved. You know, the Samaritan got involved in something that was inconvenient, but he got involved. It's time to get involved. You need to phone some friends who are drifting in the faith and get involved in their spiritual situation and say, come closer to the light. You need to get involved. Did nicely, but get involved. If you're not happy with how church is going, get involved. If you feel like it needs a bit more fire, bring it. Or it would be, bring it. I would love that. If you feel like there's a lack, there's a beating or an injury, get involved. The mes- I beg your pardon, the message translation of the book of Philippians chapter three, love this. Paul says, stick with me, friends. Keep track uh, of those you see running this same course. Keep track of them. Heading in the same goal. There are many out there um, taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. I'm warning you of them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. 
They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead end street. Do you know the idea that we're doing, we're not as involved in something anymore doesn't suggest that you've just stopped. It just means you've gotten involved in running with some other race. And I want to encourage you today, don't fall for it. Get involved in kingdom business. Secondly, gain the upper hand. It would be easy for the three men who walked past that man beaten to say, this is a dangerous road. I won't come past again. To give up and say, the thieves have taken over. It's getting rough out there. Let's not go on any more journeys. But I refuse personally, and I hope you'll agree with me, to just hand over our town, our schools, our spiritual climate, our economic situation, to simply hand it over to the darkness and say, oh, well, it's getting rough out there. I'm staying home. That's not good enough. The rougher it gets, the more powerful the gospel becomes. The greater the giant, the more significant the fall. This is not the first time some giant stood and screamed to the world, what have you got? Show me your strength. I'm worried that like those, um, that tribe of Israel who hid every time Goliath screamed. Do you know what upset David? It wasn't that Goliath was big. It upset David that Israel was acting small. He went to Israel and said, what's wrong with you? We're the people of God. And this character, you know, sort of uncircumcised thing, it's a whole, you know, it's like a PG-13 statement. Um, you believe him. The world is making a noise and I think it's very important that we should uh, be a little braver and a little louder and a little more deliberate and step out in faith in Jesus' name. Hey, so Ephesians chapter four, I'm, I'm gonna get, get all my points in before the 10 o'clock. Uh, Ephesians chapter, in chapter four, um, although like, it's really nice to hang out together. I mean, if it's a couple of extra minutes, like, I mean, the coffee's still gonna be good. Okay, Ephesians chapter four, one through three from the message. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up, says, you see, the, the priest is locked up because he's in trouble a prisoner of the master, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark this, that you do this with humility and discipline, not in little fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. That's a very powerful scripture. Get going, get running, get out, get walking. And don't do it in bits and pieces and fits and stars. And don't go down some one-way street or dead-end road, just get going. You see, I'm making a case for this simple idea that your purpose in life is not 
the career you chose or the house you have or the car or the city you want to live in. It's the journey itself. It's being on the road you're on. You're going to bump into other people on the same road and you're going to be the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people on the road I might not be able to go to, but you're on. You know, it's, it's well known now that, you know, one of my nerdy qualities is that I enjoy gardening. I get that it's nerdy and I'm, I'm really trying to man up. But I, I enjoy fruit. I've grown all kinds of fruit. I'm not a doomsday prepper. But I've, I've grown all, I had my first orange, blood orange grown in my own house, my very own. I did not have to pay 45 rand for an orange from what what. <laughs> I didn't, made my own. You insert your own name there. So I know Spa's watching uh, my friends. I quite enjoyed it. But guess what? A neighbor next door, I want to grow an orange tree. Show me how. Okay, cool, cool. I'll show you. This is how you dig a hole. This is what you do. This is what you add. Buy only from this guy. To go there. This great little place in, in, in Mount Cray. They're called Pot and Barrel. Very nice. Buy there. Good quality stuff. Prune it like that. Don't prune it like that. You know what? We're on a road now. And what he doesn't know is because I'm on this road and he's on this road, I'm going to talk Jesus to him at the right place. And he might not find another person on that road, that, that road that he's on. That's my purpose. I don't have to pray about whether God wants me to garden. I just have to, in succeeding at my interests, make sure I'm aware who's around me because that's my purpose. This road I'm on, who can I help? That's the thing. And then finally, I'm like 10.02 now. God, the bank balance. I don't want to talk about your finances. It's a very sensitive topic in the world. It's so funny. Pastors aren't allowed to talk about that topic. And then when people come see us, that's the only topic they talk about. <laughs> There's another kind of bank balance. Uh, it's worded well in uh, Psalm 190. This is why you feel empty. Even though you've got the house you want and the career you want and the, and the partner you want, but you can still feel empty and this is why. It's Psalm 119 verse nine. How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word, O Lord. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. So I won't send myself bankrupt. That's so good. I think we could carry on this conversation next week. That'd be cool. I want to encourage you to keep a bank balance of spirituality positive in your heart. And that's done through the obedience to the Lord. When I disobey, what God says is good and right for me, I bankrupt myself. And eventually, you've got a negative balance. I want to wrap up our first part with one last scripture. Do you remember, you, you churchy people, um, do you remember the parable of the sower that sows the seeds? It's pretty well known, right? Online, I'm, I'm sure uh, most of you have at some point had an encounter on that. Well, here's what's interesting. The first seeds that are sown are sown on the road. And the Bible says, the birds of the air come and they pick them out. 
I just want to draw an inference there in conclusion. Watch out that in riding the road of career, you don't let the devil come and steal the seeds of calling. Watch out for that. Pick any career that you're good at. Make money. Uh, excel. Get your kids the best opportunity, best schooling you possibly can. Do it. As long as on that road you are a light and that you do it honorably and you build with gold, silver, and precious stones. God needs lights on every street. In every suburb. Okay, I, I've missed you, and so now I feel like preaching three weeks worth here. Would you please stand with me? Oh, they've sent the... Uh, okay, Let's see. Could I ask you, let's commit to um, something together. Don't rush off just yet online. Uh, let's commit to something together. A lot of people watching online. Let's commit to not only having a good career, but having a calling also. And let's acknowledge that what God has called us to do is to walk whatever road we're on and help the man on the street to have the conversation on the road to Emmaus, to carry the cross on the road to Calvary. Whatever road we're on, do something with it. And so Lord, we thank you today that you teach us to find and walk the narrow road and to enter the narrow gate. I pray, Lord, that you'll teach us to be mindful, to put thought to the opportunities we have to speak on your behalf, to act on your behalf, to love on your behalf, to care on your behalf. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us an entire generation opportunity to reboot the world and that we will not hand the world over to the fear mongers and the darkness, but that indeed our light will be at its brightest right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving for His Word? Thank you.